Thank you for listening to the Getting My Act Together podcast. It's Monday, December 28, 2020. Hope you are having a great holiday season. Whatever your holiday and wherever your location, hope you've had a little time to catch your breath. I honestly hope you're off of social media. And I get it. You're trying to have sex with people. That I understand. And that's very important. As somebody as sexualized as I am. (laughs) But man, it's just a sewer out there, and you know that. And uh, I've been off for a month and change, and I feel like I have even greater clarity. And for listeners of the podcast, like you don't have fucking clarity about anything. (laughs) You have a lot of thoughts that could use some organization, which is true. And being off of social media helps me feel like I can corral them and wrangle my thoughts just a little bit more. So I hope you're I hope you're staying off of it just a little bit. <clears throat> I don't think it makes the world all right. Okay. Happy holidays to you. Here's something that's really positive in the world, and I don't know what 2021, it's not gonna be we always do these false, hey, the calendar's gonna turn, so ugh, there's out with that year and then Everything's going to change because this somewhat arbitrarian, arbitrarian, is that what you are now? Is that racist? You fucking arbitrarian. Arbitrary change of the calendar from 31 to 1 doesn't change a whole lot, but let's take stock and be optimistic. If you're not optimistic, you're cynical, and if you're cynical... You're downing tools while other people are working for things that they need more than you do. Okay, that's not a soapbox. But here's something really, really cool, I think. A woman named Mackenzie Scott recently gave away $4 billion to a bunch of colleges and organizations that could really use that money. And it it made me it 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 gave me chills her name is mackenzie scott and i think that's how she should be known because if you give away 4 billion dollars that's your legacy i don't care that she was married to the guy who founded amazon it doesn't matter to me she took her 4 billion dollars and gave it away to places that need it. And that's inspiring to me. That's that's super cool. And she's not the ex-wife of the guy from Amazon. She's Mackenzie Scott. <laughs> Fuck y'all. Here's my four billion. What is so attractive to me about what she did and what is so inspiring is she gave this money, as I understand it, to a bunch of organizations that could really use it. So she gave it to a bunch of small, less well-off college and university colleges and universities so she and this is the one that just it almost brought a tear to my eye she gave 50 million dollars to prairie view a&m a historically black college and university hbcu in god knows where texas i'm guessing somewhere east texas but i'm not certain what i know is The woman who works at Prairie View, in the article that I read, she said she put the phone, she paused for a second, and the person repeated, five, zero. 
fifty. Their entire budget budget, their endowment at Prairie View. I looked this up at Prairie View A and M. Their endowment, which essentially, as I understand it, is like your savings account. Their their assets under management. I think maybe a little bit right. Finance people out there, finance bros, you listening? No, you know what? Because this podcast we've learned is too real for bros. That's right. Dude, why wouldn't you want to listen to the podcast? All women listen to it. You're going to learn something. They're here. <laughs> Finance bro. Assets, whatever. An endowment is a pot of money, as I understand it, that colleges and universities and institutions, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, have. And they manage it and hopefully live and fund their operations off of the investment of that money. The, the interest on your savings account. By the way, I have a high-yield savings account. And you know what the yield is on the money I put into it? It's half of 1%. Yeah, that's pretty. So for every dollar I put in, American Express Savings over one year's time, at the end of that year, they'll have had my dollar, and then they'll also give me half of a penny. <laughs> That's my high-yield savings. Well, asshole, you know that there are a lot of benefits to low, lower interest rates, and you can tell already I'm just veering into, does he, he's not an economist, and he's not a, fine, a man of, a man or woman of finance. You have an endowment, and it's this pot of money. You have a hundred dollars and you do whatever you want with hopefully what's being earned on that. So the endowment stays and hopefully grows. You fund your annual budget from the investment and interest off of the endowment. Prairie View A&M had an endowment of $84 million, which sounds like a lot of money to a guy sitting in a basement, but I don't have a fucking university that I have to fund. Right, and all the people that work there, faculty, all the people who are non-academics who work there. I know that some people who work in academia do not like faculty and staff distinction. I get it. I get it. You, but you know what? Are, what are we? As Bob Place would say, "What are we, what are we talking about? What are we doing here? What are we talking about?" I love that expression because it's just I use it with my wife, and I don't think she likes it as much as I do. Oh, also update, I don't want to say distressingly, but out of nowhere the other day, my wife said, oh, I listened to your podcast. <laughs> oh, you know, what's interesting about that is she said it in a way where long-term couples, you know, they're such a mind meld, I guess, we're on the same page, and there are not a lot of surprises that when you're going to say something that might surprise the other person, there's almost an art to teeing it up without uh, without surprising the other person and putting them on the defense. Because, And I think the reason for that is, and what happened to the $84 million at Prairie View? I'm going to come back to it. But I think the reason you do that in a conversation with someone that you've lived with for so long or you have such a mind meld with is when we link up with people we want to not have to wonder what the fuck is going to happen this is how i see it all right now i'm in the weeds this is how i see it 
the human organism is trying to navigate this environment, this complex, fast-moving environment. And the way we navigate the environment, the way you get from your place of residence to your place where you make money, is you you predict the environment. You, you assign probabilities to different components of the environment and the likelihood that they're going to change or not change. So, for example, I think, <laughs> you come to a stoplight and you reasonably expect that you will stop and other cars will go when it's appropriate, right? You have a red light. Then, when the light turns green, you will go forward, not expecting anyone to come from the sides to hit you because you've, you've known the environment. You've predicted the environment and you've made the, the red and light, you have an, the red and green, you have an understanding that that is something that is known, right? That makes sense? That's why earlier, on an earlier episode when I said the fucking guy who, like me, I was talking about myself, who's so annoying is the person who's in a good mood. Because that means that they're not always in a good mood. And that means they're unpredictable. Like, ooh, what is the boss? The boss is in a bad mood today. Oh, well, you know what? You should tell the boss. Imagine what it's like working for a moody asshole, right? We like, believe it or not, we like people that are predictable. We like, we like predictability in the world because, this is, this is where I'm trying to go, it enables us to move through it. Right? That's why we value people. You always know what you get with that guy. <laughs> right? There's not a big difference between, as the song lyric says, the man who I am and the man who I want to be. Right? That's, that's the vibe. We like people who are predictable. We don't like unpredictability. You know why? Because it's stressful and it makes the environment harder to predict. So... When you're in a long-term relationship, a lot of stuff becomes fixed, right? Like, my wife does not expect me to cheat on her anymore. <laughs> my wife does not expect me to cheat on her. That's probably something that I think she uh, has not thought about in a long time. I hope not. I mean, because <laughs> I think I'm doing a pretty good job of hiding it. My wife, she probably has not thought about that in a long time. So that becomes sort of certain that I'm not going to cheat on her, right? So if I did cheat on her, it would be three times as jarring because she has essentially made me a fixed part of her environment. Does this at all make sense? I, and, and when I say that, like anybody who says, does this make sense? It's very much me asking myself if it makes any fucking sense. So, that's what there's there's an art to being in a long-term relationship and bringing up a piece of information that the other person might find somewhat surprising. That's the point. Because every just about everything between the two of you is known and understood, which allows you to draw strength from the union. <laughs> we draw my, every night my wife and I draw strength from our union. And we have a glass of Jameson to signify that. We draw strength. You draw strength from the union. You fucking link up with somebody that you trust, that you learn to trust. And that reduces all the other bullshit. What's going to happen? Are they going to do this? Are they 
going to, you know, start doing all these crazy things and become a stand-up comic, you know, in their 40s and do all this crazy shit. No, you don't expect any of that stuff to happen. <laughs> you expect stability. And what that does in drawing strength from the union is it allows each of you to say, okay, this part I got. Now I can go out into the world and make moves hyper-efficiently because I can focus on these things that are not known because the stability of the union is known. So we're squatted up and we can go out into the world and we can make these moves and my move in traffic, my move doing comedy, my move doing uh, structured finance or whatever the fuck I'm trying to do this morning talking about endowments and higher education, I can do all that without wondering, without devoting really a second thought a second's worth of thought to my relationship and my partner in this journey. And it's incredibly powerful. But the, the point is not the union and drawing strength from it and drinking Jameson and all that. The point is when you just think things are known between you, uh, any the, the, the potential for surprise, I suppose, is higher, right? Because anything that is not known and apparent is going to seem like a surprise. All right, guy, I just crashed my car into a wall trying to listen to you mangle your way through that, but that's the idea. So what I'm getting at is there is a bit of a skill to um, presenting information the other person might find surprising, but you're doing it in a way where you don't want to surprise them because you understand what it's like to be in that union where surprise is not always fun. <laughs> I think what I said makes sense. So my wife somehow put into the atmosphere that she listened to the podcast. Is that what that detour was worth? I apologize. But she somehow mentioned, like all of a sudden we were, might have even been on Christmas Day. We were just like in a moment, and then it was known that she listened. I don't even remember exactly how she brought it up, to be honest. Because I, I A, didn't know that she listened or had listened or was going to listen. But it was like, oh, oh, you, you did. <laughs> and she listened to the last one where I was talking about chasing down those kids and her yelling and screaming at them. And me tossing the baby to her. For the ladies, I think I, I titled it. And ultimately, I, w I was like, you did? Like, I'm like, did I call her a bitch? Like, my first thought was, I'm so flattered. Like, I was flattered that she listened because, honestly, I and I might have even said that, like, why? Like, <laughs> I honestly figured she hears enough of my bullshit. And that's not, again, I, I don't mean to make myself out be the John sitcom husband. John, put your shoes under the bed. Because I don't have that kind of relationship. And if I did, I would divorce my wife. And she would divorce me. Okay? And then our baby would be a fucking orphan. That's right. We would have shared zero custody. The baby would become a ward of the state. And my wife and I would take off on motorcycles in separate directions. I don't have that kind of relationship, but I, I was flat. And so when I say bullshit, like, oh my gosh, you, you like, 
I just figured she hears me running my mouth enough. What does she need another 45 minutes to an hour and six minutes doing? So I was flattered. And then she uh, mentioned that there were a couple inconsistencies in my, not inconsistencies, but things that were simply not true (laughs) about my story. And the only one that I remember uh, is that she said when the guy from the Citadel brought the two kids back, I I said they brought two kids in the truck. She said there were four kids. I'm like, oh, oh, that. thank you. That is really moving the goddamn story forward. I didn't really. And there was one other detail I can't remember exactly. Um, Maybe where or when she called the kid a pussy or she disputed that she said it. I don't know. She wasn't being. She wasn't being John. I gotta fact check your story. She just said there. Were, no, you don't remember. There were four kids in the truck, and I said I don't remember because I think only two of them got out and stood in front of me, and then we were able to yell at them, <laughs> and uh, I was grown. But anyway, I was flattered that she listened to it, and uh, also there are now misclicks or people genuinely interested in eight countries in the world outside the United States. And let's see if I can name them from the statistics that I am provided. And I'm getting to the prayer review thing. This is just, you know what, this maybe this is like just looking through the internet. You're like, dude, you have not been off the internet long enough. You need to stick to one thought. Read a book is what you should do. We all know that there is a Slo- alleged Slovenian listening to this program. In the White House, maybe. There is a Slovenian listener, Russian, or they're just misclicks from those countries. But when I check the statistic, it seems to, the, the whatever, the stats. I check the stats. I don't know, let's pull up this thing and check the stats once a week. So there's a listener from Slovenia. There's a listener from, from Serbia, Belgrade, Red Star. Uh, Slavon Bilic country, I think. I hope I didn't fuck that up. And he's from Croatia, and I just started a civil war and of insensitivity. And you guys are like, we're Serbian, dude. <laughs> we don't traffic in sensitivity. <laughs> we traffic in little ladies. Slovenia, Serbia, Russia, uh, the Netherlands, I'm sorry, like my first international listener. Uh, Spain, Ireland, uh, missing one other country in Europe, Germany, Germany, and the newest misclick or listener is in Japan. How badass is that? That's eight different countries. Japan, and it said the person, and now I'm like, I'm like social media because it tells me where in the country it tells me where in the country the person listened to the podcast this person is in osaka yeah osaka japan which is right near kyoto and i've been there i flew into osaka airport and please if you and here's how this trip originated i was lying in bed one night watching some what are like engineering documentary on a this is years ago engineering documentary on like National Geographic channel and that was a thing I don't know if it is anymore not geo wild 
Stick around for more. Stick around. I'm trying to do Caesar Milan. I'm not trying to do all Hispanic people. That's, that would be racist. I'm trying to do Caesar Milan's accent. Stick around. We'll come right back. Uh, Nat Geo Wild. Well, it's offensive nonetheless. Probably. But I'm not doing all Latino people. I'm not doing all Hispanic people. I'm trying to do the fucking dog whisperer Caesar Milan. And in my head, if I'm doing one person, I'm specifying that it's not racist. And you're sitting in your car or your office or your apartment wisely saying, if you have to go that... All right, I'm annoying myself. But if I have to go that far out of my way, you're being a racist asshole. I was sitting in bed watching this engineering documentary about the airport in Osaka Bay. And this is for everyone who doesn't live in Osaka. They have an airport in the fucking bay. And I was like, what? Now, this was not 20 years ago, but more than 15 years ago. They have a fucking airport in the bay. What? And they built it in the bay. It wasn't like the bay arose around it. It's a floating airport. <laughs> and I encourage you to go to wherever you ingest I'm, I'm encouraging you to go down into this rabbit hole because to me it was fascinating that there is a floating airport essentially in Osaka Bay and it's called Kansai K-A-N-S-A-I and I was like that's the most amazing thing in the world to me it was at the time there is a floating airport in Osaka Bay we have to go to it <laughs> just disrespecting everything about Japan's contribution to the world and our, at times, fraught relationship with them over the years. I was just like, no, they have a fucking badass airport. Let's let's listen to OK Computer and just hang out there for a, a week. That was the genesis of the trip. I said to my wife the next morning, she probably was asleep, hey, we got to go to Japan because there is a an airport floating in Osaka Bay. And by the way, I'm pretty sure it's sinking. Because if I remember the documentary correctly, it was like the most amazing technological engineering marvel. Oh my gosh, they did it. Japan and all these great, bright engineering firms and people collaborated. And there is a subway, of course, underneath the bay to Osaka from the airport. No big deal. I was like, this is fucking insane and then at the very end it's like also it's sinking and each day <laughs> each day a, a, a waiter has to go under there and put a couple coasters under the leg to balance the table yeah so I think it is actually sinking anyway go into the rabbit hole about Kansai International Airport I love Japan if I haven't spoke about it, spoken about it already I loved it it's so badass so shout out to the person in Osaka. Shout out to my wife for listening. I was very flattered and surprised. And also, like, stay out of my DMs, okay? <laughs> Prairie View A&M has an $84 million endowment, which is, like I said, a nice chunk of change to a guy sitting in his basement. But when you see what Mackenzie Scott did with 50 
And here's the, I think I looked this up also. So they have $84 million endowment at Prairie View A&M. And Harvard, by comparison, their endowment is $41 billion. $41 billion. That's a multiple of 500. It's 500 times what Prairie View A&M's is. And that is, by definition, inequality. It's just and, and by a magnitude of 500, right? We have 500 times the amount of money to fund whatever the fuck we want to do with $41 billion. Why do Ivy League colleges charge tuition? That makes zero sense to me. And as soon as one of you does it, and as soon as one of you, Princeton, Yale, whoever else, Cornell. By the way, I know a couple of people went to Ivy League colleges, and they all shit on Cornell. I'm sorry, Cornell. That's, if I got into Cornell, I'd be like, you fucking right, Cornell, goddammit. But they all, Ivy League people shit on Cornell like it's not an Ivy League school. Well, if it isn't, then kick them out. I don't understand why Ivy League colleges charge tuition. You're, you, the students are going to get in, and then they're going to go on and make millions and millions of dollars uh, <laughs> trolling women online and <laughs> establishing a monopoly and crushing Snapchat. Like Zuckerberg. Instagram. by Facebook. Bullshit. You bought it. You bought it. That's okay. It's legal, but it's not by Facebook, okay, dude? It seems like I lost the plot, but I didn't. The people who go into Harvard are going to make a lot of money. They're going to be, some of them are going to do good things for the world. Others are just going to make money in finance and law and good for them. And you know what? They're going to donate to the school. That's what alums do. They give back to their schools. And then they start later in life, start to flex on it. Like, you know, I, I gave a pretty good check to Harvard this year or Princeton or Yale or whatever, whatever your Ivy League school is. They're going to give you money. So you can just let them in. You don't need to charge them. Why? Well, because we can't. Except here's what's going to happen. If one of you, one of you stops and says, we don't need to do this. If Princeton said, we're not charging tuition, do you know what a fucking power play that would be on all the other Ivy League colleges? How innovative that would be? And I know that if you get in and you can't pay that they, and they want you to go, they'll figure out a way for you to go there, Right? They'll put you on the basketball team. <laughs> They'll put you on the uh, rowing team or whatever those tuition scandal-laden people were, were involved in. So, why are you charging? Who gives a shit, dude? I get it. The point is, Mackenzie Scott's like, no, I don't need to give my money to Harvard, which would be splashy and get all this attention. I'm going to give it to places like Prairie View A&M. And she takes their 84 and she just puts more than 50% on top of that. 
How awesome is that? That's so inspiring to me. That's so inspiring that it made me follow up on my volunteer <laughs> opportunity that I was ghosted by. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, I had a dark moment of the soul when I found myself trying to fool Netflix by starting programs that I would never watch to fool the algorithm. This was the darkness of my soul. By the way, I uh, know that Netflix, just while I'm here, Netflix uh, put out a documentary several years ago that I did not see, but it was called Icarus. And apparently it was a uh, Academy Award winning, uh, hard-hitting investigative documentary. It was praised for its courage and honesty. And Netflix released it. As as uh, as I understand, I, I'm talking out of my ass here, obviously. Um, and you know what? I need to take off this jacket. So one second while I pause this. Thank you. So Netflix puts out this documentary called Icarus about Russian, whatever Russia cheating at fucking something. No, <laughs> dude. Yes, Russia. It cheats at everything, and so do we. So this is not an anti-Russian observation. So does everybody else, except Japan. That's why your fucking economy has been treading. I'm not, I don't know anything about Japan's economy. However, Netflix put out this documentary. It won awards, and I think brought a fair amount of prestige to Netflix as a home for documentaries. Anyway, the guy who made this documentary, who's Name, I don't want to... Uh, you can look it up. The guy who made Icarus made another documentary recently about uh, the killing of the Washington Post reporter whose name I'm going to butcher, but it's like Khashoggi. It's like Khashoggi. He is the... Um, why can't I remember where he's from? Maybe he's just Saudi. Can he really be Saudi? No, I'm sorry. You know who he is. He went into the Turkish... He worked for the Washington Post. He went into the Saudi embassy in Istanbul and uh, thought he was having a meeting and he was um, he was killed and dismembered in the Saudi embassy. Our great... How about that? Our great allies, the Saudis, the first country, our... Current president, Donald J. Trump, the 45th president of the United States, the first country he went to visit after being president was Saudi Arabia. Who then killed a reporter working for uh, an American newspaper, the Washington Post, which is, oh, whoa. And if you don't think we're living in some Illuminati shit, which is owned by... Mackenzie Scott's ex-husband, Jeff. Jeff owns the Washington Post. The reporter, Khashoggi, who made a career of talking shit about the Saudi royal family, so, I mean, can't say he didn't go in their eyes open. Um, he is killed in the Saudi, in the Saudi embassy in Istanbul, Three years ago? Five years ago? 
And th- that's incredible. I mean, it was incredible in a former life when an, a reporter for an American news organization is killed. I don't know if you recall, but there was a Wall Street Journal reporter named Daniel Pearl who was, and I, this is the only way to say it, famously decapitated covering the war in wherever, Iraq, Afghanistan, I believe Iraq. But there was tremendous outrage by the fact that Daniel Pearl was decapitated and the video was spread widely throughout the Western world and the, and the whole world and by, by people that, like, we didn't even know exactly who did it, I don't think. Or you're like, no, dude, they know exactly who did it. But what I mean is it wasn't a nation like Saudi Arabia, like, yeah, we fucking did that. No, it was not like that. But with this guy Khashoggi, who worked for an American newspaper, and was killed in, we know where he was killed, and we know who did it. Fucking Saudi Arabia. Our government was like, no big deal. We don't have time for this right now. We don't, we don't, like, we have a lot of military shit we have to sell them. All right, I'm back into the college sophomore. I just got Wikipedia, everybody. (laughs) That's what I sound like. So the person, this gentleman who made the documentary about the Russian cheating at something, also made this documentary about, uh, about the killing of this reporter. And I know we live... That, you fucking jerk-offs. Why are you so... You know why you're afraid of the news getting out? Because you're all sketchy. Problem with authoritarianism. You have to kill the messenger. But you have to suppress the vote. You don't want everybody to be heard. You sue people to stop their voice being heard. Or you fucking decapitate them. Or you dismember them. The Saudis did this. This gentleman, this brave, courageous filmmaker, made a movie about it. And Netflix is not putting it out. Nor is, like, anybody else. Why? Well, because it probably, like, makes pops a lot of shit about Saudi Arabia. And this is... I, I was just trying to describe the dark moment of my soul when I was on Netflix trying to fool it. In the article I read about this Academy Award winner... Imagine that. You win an Academy Award for what you do, but Netflix is not going to put out your next project? Well, because they talked a lot of shit probably about Saudi Arabia. And what? Netflix does not want to anger fucking Saudis? That's the implication. The intimation. It's suggested. I know. I know. I know I'm all over the map. I know it. And I didn't mean for it to sound... Now I sound like a YouTube video. I'm sorry. And I haven't heard any humor either. But I'm excited that someone in Japan is listening to this podcast. In the article I read about this guy's movie not being put out by Netflix, which is a, would be a total no-brainer, you'd think, the Netflix CEO is quoted as saying, we are, <laughs> we are not in the business of speaking truth to power. <laughs> we are in the entertainment business. You fucking coward. We're... We're not in the business of speaking truth to power. 
What that means is we are happy facilitating authoritarianism through inaction. That's what that means. To, to what that means, we're not in the... And yes, I, I, I'm not a business person and I don't run Netflix, but what a fucking... Uh, the opposite of courage. Also, your Netflix, dude, put it out. Who gives a shit if Saudi Arabia gets upset? Or people are going to be like, oh, they pissed off Saudi Arabia. Or you know what? Maybe he's afraid of getting fucking decapitated in the Netflix embassy. Maybe that's it. We are not in the business of speaking truth to power. We are in the entertainment business. And you know what? That's totally their right. Right? And it's good business, probably, to not make Saudi Arabia mad. But it's also the opposite of courage. I don't want to say it's cowardly, because I'm sitting in my basement talking shit about it. So, <laughs> I'm not like sitting in, you know, Riyadh having this conversation with the CEO of Netflix and uh, MBS. So, uh, I'm, I'm not, let's not have me get over my skis here about bravery. <laughs> but, you jerk off. How about that? Can I say that? It's just uh, amazing. We're not in the business of speaking truth to power. So what that means is anything you see, this is what this really means, anything that you see on Netflix is a sanitized, uh, acceptable narrative to uh, a corporate titan, meaning it's not going to fuck with them and it's not going to really upset power and any bullshit you see on Netflix is exactly that. It's just bullshit. I think that's what that means. Otherwise, why wouldn't you just put it out there? And dude, you're Netflix. Delta, I'm sure is evil and horrible too, but Delta came out and said, you know what? Fuck that. We Gay people can get married. We're taking a stance. We're a corporation. Yes, and we're doing it for all these reasons, but they're like, gay people can get married. Thank you, Delta, by the way, for... <laughs> blessing that blessing us with your decision but you can take a fucking stance netflix you jerk off it just seems ridiculous just just do it delta every once in a while gets all these republican people in the georgia state government hot and bothered and they're like we're gonna take away delta's tax credit blah 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 delta's like go fuck yourself what are you going to do without us? We are going to take a stand. This is the right thing to do. Respect. I know that you have a legal obligation to the shareholder to make money, to profit. I get it. So I had this dark moment of the soul around my Netflix use. I was trying to fool the algorithm. like, And I sat up in a bed like, you know what? I need to volunteer. <laughs> I need to do more for the world because... This is not impacting it. And so what I did is I looked up volunteer opportunities. For those of you who've followed this narrative, shout out to y'all for sticking with it. I need to find a way to give more to the world than simply starting some Barbara Stanwyck show and then turning it off. So I found a great volunteer opportunity, and as I mentioned to you, again, childishly, I said, hey, I'd love to be involved. Uh, just out of curiosity, do you have a religious affiliation? 
<laughs> and they said, oh, hey, dude, did you hear back from the volunteer place? Yeah, what'd they say? They said, <laughs> that's the sound of nothing coming out of my mouth. And I was like, well, who cares if they're religious, right? I'm not religious. And the only people that care about that are religious people. But I don't care. What does that mean? If they're, they they have faith that I'm not going to... I'm like, fuck you guys. You're, you're on your own. So I asked. And then I did another dickhead thing. Like, hey, is that opportunity still available? Uh, just curious before I fill out the mountain of paperwork. And they also said nothing in response. Because they're like, hey man, we just want somebody that wants to help us. That's what we want. That's what we need. That's why it says volunteer, fill out this paperwork. So after hearing Mackenzie Scott's $4 billion gift, hearing of this, and all these small schools that, you know, it's like game-changing, generation-changing, trajectory of people's family-changing, so awesome, so inspiring, I picked up the phone and actually picked up the phone. That's what I did, and I dialed a number. I dialed the number to re-express my interest in volunteering for this organization and I heard back from someone and we had a nice talk kind of a not an interview but a a bit of a tire kicking on my interests like were you the guy who asked about Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior the blood of blood and Christ of lamb and all that and I said, no, <laughs> I am. they didn't ask about that. So we are moving forward. I'm so excited about this and that I have already paid my, I paid $20 to have them run a background check on me. Yes, you are right. Like childish me would be like, I'm here volunteering. What do you mean I'm fucking, I have to pay to get a background check done on me? But that's not who I am all the time. I am also the person who's like, you know what? They need to save money wherever they can because they're run exclusively by and supported from the generosity of mankind, which is seemingly a diminishing resource, kindness, in 2020. So that's my headspace. You know what? I can... Give them $20 to run my background check. Fingers crossed. We heard you. <laughs> what are they going to find? We heard you. Um, you do online. You do Zoom open mics occasionally. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, I do. And my comic friends text me during them saying, why the fuck are you doing that? And then I say, uh, I don't know. Because I want to I wanna see if any of this bullshit I can say sounds... I want to try the punchline. That's what I want to do. I want to try the punchline and see if I think... I don't know. My, the, the audience is just other Zoom comics. And I'd say that with a, that's a big tent. Zoom comic. Because all you do is go to Zoom and you are a comic. Which is what's so great about stand-up, by the way. Is you can just... Go to an open mic and you're doing it. Now there's a there's a rich history of people saying you shouldn't call yourself a comic until blah 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 blah, because that's another great thing about stand up comedy 
is, and this is why I loved it when I started, is you can just start doing stand-up and then just be instantly self-righteous <laughs> about how it should be done, even though you don't do it that way, nor can you do it that way. But you can just start and then talk shit about everybody else. It's amazing. It also is like a job where because people know so many people start and then drop out and it's there's always a tr- an attrition at the periphery of the comedy scene it that people don't talk to you when you start and that's just the way it is i've mentioned this before that's why when someone is nice to you you remember that for a long time um, but it's like a job where how would i think how, I've, I've said it i've thought it Stand-up is like a job where your coworkers don't talk to you for the first year. You work there for a whole year, and then like on day 366, they're like, what's going on? <laughs> You're like, hey, man, good to see you. <laughs> is that what they're going to turn up, that I'm doing Zoom open mics? By the way, I saw a guy on a Zoom open mic last night. Uh, I'm like, this is... Surely this is, uh, whatever the Indian expression for barbershop joke is, this is something that has been in the public domain. And you know what? Because it's in the public domain and it's, uh, it's a street joke, I can do it. I can tell you what the joke is because I'm not burning anybody's material. It should be burned. Um, the joke is something along the lines of, uh, I told my dad, this is an Indian comic telling his Indian dad, that he wants to be an actor. And his dad says, no, it's pronounced doctor. <laughs> Which is a fine little joke when it originated probably 700 years ago. In the Bhagavad Gita. So I texted my Indian friend telling him that. And he's like, yeah, it's been... My one Indian, only one. I have more than one black friend, but only one Indian friend. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have more than one Indian friend. I sent him a note like, this surely is a thing. And he's like, it's been a meme since for at least 15 years. <laughs> now, I'm not shitting on that guy who said it. I just, I just said it. But I, you are. You're directly shitting on a guy who is reading memes into Zoom. Well, yeah, I guess, but I don't. But I'm I'm describing it shitting on him. I'm not judging it like I'm better. No, that's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying like you're fucking reading memes into a camera. That's that's what you're doing. What they're really gonna find out? What I hope they don't find out, and this will be the snake eating its tail. How did you come to want to volunteer with us? Well, uh, one night I was lying in bed, and. Uh, I just got tired of this modern technology, you know, trying to anticipate my needs. And I, uh, you know, that, that, that a lot of smart people spend a lot of time working trying to figure out how to best serve me. And I resented that after a while, so I started uh, watching Alex Jones documentaries and fucking Barbara Stanwyck show from 1910, and that other guy who, uh, who I can't remember his name, but it was like, 
Hillary and the Democrats. So I'm I'm not gonna say I, I don't want to say what I am doing to volunteer, and it's nothing, by the way. I'm not like, wait till you hear that I'm building bridges, and I'm in Arecibo, Puerto Rico. I'm, it's not gonna be like that, but I'm I'm not gonna mention it until I actually start doing it. That's what the background should. That's what the background check should be. It should be like, oh, you're a stand up. Uh, are you doing this just to get bits out of it? <laughs> Uh, no, not exclusively, but uh, that is one B. <laughs> Anything you do, like, is there a bit in this? That's a bit. Is there? Is there? I'm not doing it, but I, if I get material out of it, you know, that's a happy, happy subsequence. But I will discuss it further as it as it moves down the line, and I actually start doing it. I have a, a Zoom orientation in uh in a week's time so my dog is like you better volunteer to feed me again one more time so it's nice to nice to have you listen to me again it's been it's been uh i voted too just FYI, that'll be the, this will sort of, I'll, I'm going to close with that hot voting material. Also, when you're a comic, you, you it's impossible not to see the world in comedy terms. And I'm not much of a comic, but like how people present information and is it building to something or is it just fucking flat static like this podcast has been today? Though it's been enjoyable to me to talk to you and uh, kept me out of the DMs. You just, you see things as in, with a certain structure, a certain lens. So like we were talking with a relative the other night on Christmas night. And the relative told a very deep, heavy, interesting, humorous story. She, she, uh, I've outed her. She shared something really deep and like we were very invested in this. We were FaceTiming. And then, so if we talked on the phone for 35 minutes, the deep, heavy part came and then she closed with the most like boring insurance form story that you could ever possibly imagine listening to and it just fizzled and then we said goodnight and I said to my wife like dude she's gonna close with that like that is you can't do really personal heavy stuff and then go talk about an uber ride after you have to do the lighter stuff first and and then get into the heavy stuff so it was a pretty weak close which is what you're getting today uh, from me, but I will tell you this: <clears throat> I am approaching some certainty in my head that I would like these to come out on Tuesdays and Fridays. That's that's what I think, and I'm so grateful for you listening. That's a learning. Tuesdays and Fridays, I think, is where this is headed. And also, I voted, <clears throat> so, and I've put a sign outside my door saying I've voted, and then some. It says on the front door, "Already voted." Which is just, they're like, 
dude, this, we're, we're volunteering for stuff we care about. Why are you such an asshole? I don't know, because you don't seem like you want to do anything for me, you fucking politicians across the stripe. You want me to do for you. That's it. That's why. You only want me when you're drunk. When I'm drunk, you don't take my calls. You don't pick up when I say you up. David Perdue. John Ossoff. So I voted. I voted for John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock. And also, there is a third person on the ballot. I don't know if you knew that. There are three things. You vote for John Ossoff. I voted for the commies, socialists. Your, 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 your woman, Kelly Loeffler, has a new ad campaign that says... Uh, Raphael Warnock wants to take away your guns. I was like, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> fuck yeah, I'm voting for Raphael Warnock. But there's a third person on there. There's a third, I don't know what he's running for, but his name is Kevin Blackman, and I voted for him too. And that's that's all I have to say. John Ossoff. That in the city of Atlanta. Let's close as weakly as we possibly can. Let's talk about a water bill. The, by the way, the woman who is in the 28-degree weather, and I don't know what that is in centigrade, but I imagine it's like in the low single digits for the uh, people around the globe who are not exceptionalist to the metric system as we are. We're queued up standing outside the waiting to vote, outside the library, as it were. And the woman, she's volunteering, and she's so nice and sweet but she just has the voice stay in line you take three steps forward you're all a bunch of fucking idiots it's just a unique every person who's ever had that job has that tone it's condescending you'll take two steps forward we appreciate you being here thank you for flying delta and here's how a seatbelt works I'm fucking grown. I know how to use a seatbelt. But I voted. Thank you. And I'm going to close with a water bill bit. The city of Atlanta texted us at 8.15 on Christmas morning. Uh, just reminding us our water bills too. Okay. See, that? that's closing with a thud. Now, this also is fatal. You should just get off right now. And I'm not trying to build a comedy set. And you're like, well, that has been apparent from the drop. That has been very clear that you're not trying to be funny on this podcast. Maybe you're a little inspired by Mackenzie Scott. <laughs> but as far as building a comedy set to close with something, no, I have not, I have not done that. You're right. And you, you can't. But what you should not do, and this is, what I'm, this is why I should just jump off right now, is... Sometimes you'll see comics that have like flatlined out and they're like, and I respect the pride. They're like, no, I'm going to fucking get off with a laugh. And then they just kind of like meander around trying to find it and trying to find it. And the crowd all of a sudden realizes what's going on. And then, you know, they can say something really, really uh, provocative or offensive to kind of jolt the crowd back awake. But that's what I'm doing right now. I feel like I'm doing, I used to have a closer uh, it was called, um, I, I would say, well, fuck you guys too. 
such a dick. Thanks for listening and have a great week. I'm headed toward Tuesdays and Fridays and I hope you have a great new year. And if you can go have sex with somebody without being on social media, challenge yourself to do that. Because I'm not on social media and I'm not having sex. I have a lot. You know I have a lot of sex. Does my wife come demands it? I mean that's all. So have a have a great New Year's if you celebrate it, and uh, I will talk to you very very soon.